This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you who I've met in person have seen my unbelievable dashboards that I built. You know, I'm an analytics-like crazy person. I love the data. And I love presenting the data in beautiful dashboards that my team can use on their mobile devices, their phones, and TVs throughout the office. Now, the way I do this without having to hire a big development team is at nathanlacka.com forward slash analytics. It's using a company called Clipfolio, and I'll tell you more later on in the show how I use them. It's nathanlacka.com forward slash analytics. Nathan Latka here. This is episode 622, and coming up tomorrow morning, you're going to learn from Richard Brasser. He's the 50-year-old CEO and father of four of a company called R-Factor, which has just raised $9 million and passed $900,000 in monthly recurring revenue, helping 220 customers with social selling. So how's he manage a fast-growing business doing almost a million bucks a month and four kids at home? Tune in to find out. All right, guys, good morning. Nathan Latka here, and our guest this morning is Nectarios Leolos. Leo Leos, sorry. He's the CEO and co-founder of Startup Bootcamp Financial Technology and Insurance Technology, the leading innovation program in the financial and insurance industries, providing funding, mentorship, office space in the heart of London, Singapore, uh, New York, and Mumbai, and to access to their global network of investors and VCs for up to 10 folks each time they do it. He's really leading the way. Nectaros, are you ready to take us to the top? Let's do it. Okay, very good. So tell us first, how does the accelerator work uh, and what are you focused on? Um, um, but we're a network of accelerators. Uh, we, we're very traditional in the sense that it's a 13-week program, just like what, what we've known for years. Uh, it's mentor-driven. It's cohort-based, which means the teams have to move to, to the location where we run the program. But the key thing, and, and this is where we're different, is the programs we run are very much industry-focused programs. So they're not so much about, hey, we're going to meet some cool startups, and the first thing they'll get out of this when they finish the program will be funding. Uh, funding is a side effect. The key thing here is that these is these are industries that are heavily regulated and where the startups usually come with a B2B proposition. So what they need is access to the right players within a bank, within an insurer, so they can get their first pilot or the first proof of concept off the ground. And that's really what we focus on. And so how many companies have gone through your program to date? Um, we've now run about, um, we have now had about 60 programs in the FinTech and the InsurTech uh, kind of verticals. Uh, but overall, we started bootcamp. We now had 400 companies that graduated. Wow. So what year did you did you take your first class? Uh, so I, I launched FinTech in 2014. That was January 2014. But started bootcamp has been around since 2010. Okay. So let's, well, did they, so did it, they acquire you and now you're leading startup bootcamps? How does that work? Uh, no, it, it, <laughs> um, Startup Bootcamp started growing very organically. Uh, it started off as a, hey, some people are doing cool stuff in the US, we should bring something like this to Europe. Um, and then it started in Copenhagen, then it moved to places like Berlin and Amsterdam. Um, and little by little, we started focusing on uh, bringing in a sort of uh, a particular type of theme. So, so we had a mobile or an NFC program. Um, but um, at the end of 2013, the guys who were running this realized that um, 
well, to add real value, you need to be super sharp in your focus. And this is where we started together there. So we've been talking for a while at that point uh, about doing something together for FinTech um, and in London. So then I joined to launch the FinTech program in London with that specific focus. So we have a bunch of banks and a few other players uh, funding and supporting the program. So is that a, uh, is there an actual fund behind the program? You're making investments? No. Okay. No, we, we don't make investments. We take equity. Um, Nectaros, and, what and, are the terms? How much do you put into a company and what equity do you take? No, we need to be very specific. We take 6% equity and the startups pay, uh, they give us the equity for the program. We give them cash. We give them 15,000 euros cash, but it's not a reflection on the valuation of the company. So I'm always very keen to make the distinction uh, to not combine the two figures. We don't, we don't really see the money as an investment. We see this really as being pizza money to survive for the three months. And in you're giving the them five, zero, 50,000 euros no, or no, 15? One, one fine, one five. Okay, so which comes out right now, what is that, to about 17,000 US dollars? Yeah, give or take, yeah. Okay. This is really... So the conversation we have with the teams that make it into the program is if you really rely on the cash, don't come. Um, because this is really not about the money. If, if what you need is that, that you talk to the right head of innovation at Lloyds Bank or DBS in Singapore or at Deutsche Bank in New York, then, then that's why you should come to us. But if you look at this as an opportunity to get your first money, that's not the right program for yeah. you. So I, uh, I recently, I, I want to ask you about the specific fintech and insurance tech industry. because As you know, it's a very, very hot space, sure. right? A combination of the data play there plus the consumer angle. It's very hot. We had recently the Wealthfront CEO on Andy. We've got Betterment coming on shortly. And you're seeing sure. all kinds of different models between both of them. Obviously, they're competing. But have you placed any bets in that space? Has anyone gone through your program that's competing with them? Um, we have we have a variety of different wealth kind of solutions in our programs, and actually we see a big trend in that space. Anything to do with investment, um, and particularly uh, we we have seen a move away from payments and lending as being the key fintech themes, and uh, we now move increasingly towards investment related stuff. But we have a a variety of variations on the theme that Wealthfront or, or Betterment are doing. Uh, you know, Nutmeg in the UK has been it's been a great success, which is also kind of sorry, um, Nicaros. What was that? What was that company? So Nutmeg in the UK, nothing to do with Startup Bootcamp, uh, but just just to illustrate that this is a big thing at the moment where we see people really uh, putting in a focus on on the investment piece. We had a team um, um, in in Singapore called um, Now you're putting me on the spot. I don't remember the name of one of our teams. <laughs> Jesus, I know the name of the guy. Uh, I, I, I need to look this you know, up. He's going to watch us and he's going to kill you. He's going to go, this was a great opportunity for PR and you, you forgot our name. Seriously, uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to names here. Um, but I will come up to this one. Just give me a sec. So whilst we're talking. Um, so no, definitely, definitely. We have um, anything from people coming up with cool algorithms um, to create a new hedge fund type um, as a service. So as, tell me, tell uh, me about that. So, so hedge funds are obviously interesting. Two and twenty can get pretty antiquated, and you're, I think, going to see some economies of scale be built into that industry over time. Um, you know, the, the typical asset managers is, are there; those are being eroded already by, but you know, Betterment and Wealthfront. What what company are you invested in that that is really giving the power of a hedge fund returns to the average consumer? Um, so the team we had in the program was called Walnut Algorithms out of France. Okay. Um, and Walnut algorithms out of France. Yeah, so they're a French French startup. Some some cool guys um, who 
all PhD students who were just looking, they, they, they built a self-learning algorithm that they think will, will revolutionize the hedge fund industry. One of the things we need to be quite clear about, about in, in our conversation is that the teams we work with are usually very early stage. They are, very what? They are usually early stage, pre-seed. So they come to us with a product that is usually not ready for launch yet, and they use a program to validate the proposition, to do all the customer discovery um, and all the kind of the lead startup essentials that they need to do to be able to actually do something with it. So the best thing we can expect for the program to deliver is that they leave the program with a validated proposition, and then they go on and, and start selling it either to the consumers or, or launch it or, or whatever it is that they do in their journey. So you, since you said since 2014, you've done over 400 companies? No, since 2014, we've got about 60 companies. 60. Uh, that, that's the fintech focus, yeah. Okay, and of those 60 companies, um, on paper, which one has generated the most returns for you so far? Um, I think we need to go back into this. We don't really look at this as an investment piece. The company that raised more money is a company called Buzzmove, which is a team that we had in our InsurTech program in London last year. It's they raised Buzzmove? $8 million. Buzzmove, yeah, they raise they raise eight eight million US. And what do they do? Um, they uh, provide very accurate data for content insurance, for home insurance, uh, for lenders. Uh, sorry, for for insurers. So they they started off as a price comparison website for moving firms, and they realized that they sit on this amazing data that are a lot more accurate than what insurers usually have when they insure home content. So their solution is now a data provider solution to the industry. Okay, interesting. So are they they're selling to like the experience of the world so that experience has more data for credit scores? No, no, they're selling to the actual insurance carriers who are the organizations that provide content insurance, home content insurance to the consumers. Okay, I got it. Uh, so Buzzmove, they've they've raised a bunch of capital. You said you don't look at this like an investment though. How do you make an accelerator like what you're building sustainable over the long term if you're not getting any kind of investment returns? So our program is funded by the industry players who participate in this. So when we have uh, 10 banks in one program or in, in the InsurTech program, we've got 17 InsurTech partners, insurance industry uh, players who put money into the program. So for us, this is really what funds the program, what gives us the money to pay the salaries, to give the cash to the teams, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we really see this as a tool for the industry on the one side. So we don't really necessarily build these programs to make money out of this. This is not what drives us. We keep usually one to 2% of the equity. And if one day, further down the track, one of these companies is gonna grow big, we'll have some upside, but it will be so diluted that even that is not necessarily what drives us. It's really, it's really to be that glue between the two sides. It's, it sounds altruistic because to a large extent it is. Yeah, well, um, I mean, look, let's just call a spade a spade. Uh, one reason is because these large companies can't move as quick as the startups you're working with, so they're getting information rights and they can maybe spot trends. Yeah, absolutely, for them it's corporate innovation. Yeah, totally. The reason the banks, the reason insurers are doing this is visibility, just seeing what trends are out there, what, what really, um, do they need to know about what's the latest in blockchain? What's the latest in AI, etc.? So who do you but think then, who do you think is going to win, Betterment or Wealthfront in that space? Since <laughs> I'm not going to make that judgment. What do you think? There's, I mean, what who, what 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 uh, qualities will determine the winner in that space? You see, um, I think there's some fundamental questions around if robo advice in itself is a sustainable business. Um, I don't think the large incumbents will actually be able to catch up. Um, and I, it's really, seriously, I wish I could give you an opinion, but I'm finding it really difficult because it's still so early stage. One of the things that we all forget is that even, I mean, fintech as a term hasn't been around for more than five, six years. Um, so all these companies, even the ones who've raised a lot of money, like a Wealthfront or a Betterment, 
even the ones who have already consumers and lots of assets under management. I find it really difficult to predict that one or the other will succeed because there's still so many outstanding, so many question marks. I think what is exciting is that the incumbents are waking up to this now, the, the, the corporations that are figuring out, oh my God, we're about to miss the train, what are we going to do? Um, and, and they're trying to build similar products to the consumers and they can't because they're just not capable, as you just said. So the interesting thing is how will these organizations, how will a Wealthfront or a Betterment manage to partner with the right large corporations to deliver a better service and make their business sustainable? Because at the moment, I'm still kind of curious to see how sustainable these businesses are, either model. Yeah, well, I will tell you, we had Andy on and he wouldn't name Betterment, but he said, I'm, I'm basically quoting here. He goes, Nathan, a lot of our competitors, they are spending so much money to acquire customers. They're going to go broke if they can't keep raising capital. And he said, we're happy to just keep waiting. And I said, are you talking about Betterment? And he said, I can't say I'm a nice guy. And I said, Andy, tell me the name. Who is it? But but it is. There's a lot of money in the space right now. Now, in Europe or in Singapore, are you really the leading kind of fintech and insurance tech accelerator or who else is in the space? So, um, first of all, we are the only program with that global reach. We now have four uh, in what we think are some of the key locations. We're about to launch a couple more um, to really cover the globe. So we, are, so we offer really every entrepreneur in a region access to, to the network. Um, and in, in the InsurTech world, there's only one more program, and that's a program in, in the U.S. and uh, out of the in Iowa. Um, and, and we have 17 What's different players who are... It's called the Global Insurance Accelerator, I think, okay. or Global Insurance Accelerator. Yeah, it's because um, it's an unsexy in, space, right? Nobody, no entrepreneur wants to go think about insurance, right? You know what? I think we have sort of, we're close to reaching peak fintech when it comes to the hype. And little by little, entrepreneurs are figuring out that, that the insurance space is, is potentially more lucrative. It's less crowded. There's a bigger, there's so many problems to solve. They're waking up to this. But we, we, we know that when we go out to, to, to attract entrepreneurs to come into the program, um, we, we have a different approach when we talk to the insurtech people. We actually try to get them to understand that they are relevant for the industry because they usually see themselves as, I don't know, big data startups or AI companies, sure. uh, but never, never self-identify as insurtech. Yep. Uh, Nectaris, when, these, when you're raising money from the larger banks to fund your accelerator, are they, I mean, do you run this like, like a fund? I mean, or are they just granting you money? Um, it, it, we, we create for every program, for every location, we create a sort of mini fund type structure. Okay. But uh, some of the organizations come in as sponsors, pure sponsorship money. So like I hate asking this, but like the way you make money is are you taking a management fee on the, on the funds you've raised or like how do you support no, yourself? No, not at all. Not at all. It's a, from that perspective, it's not a fund at all. So we really uh, it, so we need a minimum of amount of, of, of cash to run the program. How much? Any, uh, about a million US a year. Okay. Uh, and that really is just to keep the lights on. And, and deliver a quality program. Anything we raise beyond that is upside for us. But uh, as I said, in most programs, we don't really do that. And how, um, how many people are on your team there to run it? Um, so every, every location has about five people. The company behind Setup Bootcamp, the guys who are running Setup Bootcamp FinTech and, and, um, and InsurTech, we, we are called Rainmaking Innovation. What we do is corporate innovation. So what we do is we actually make money out of the corporate engagements that go outside the accelerator. So we sit down with a large bank, with a large insurer, and we have very honest conversations about their innovation needs. And the accelerator piece could be one of them because this is where, we, where they want to do some early stage stuff. They want yeah. to have that visibility, et cetera. But then they have internal innovation needs. They, have, uh, they need to understand how to um, change the culture in the company to be more entrepreneurial, how to get people to understand 
what they need to do, how to uh, educate the executives, but also very concrete projects all the way to co-creating businesses with the corporates. Yeah. And and all of this is what we make money from. So the accelerator in that sense is not necessarily driven by a commercial perspective. Like I told you guys at the top of this episode, I have amazing data and you guys know from my interview style, I love data. But what I love more than data is making it actionable via beautiful dashboards that I can view on my phone, on my TVs in my living room, or even on my laptop as I'm traveling. And the company that I use to create these dashboards, which pulls in data from my Libsyn backend, my Google Analytics backend, Salesforce, and other data sources is called Clipfolio. You can see an example executive dashboard or my social media command center or my web metrics dashboard at nathanlacka.com forward slash analytics. That's nathanlacka.com forward slash analytics. And you can try it there for free for three months. It's Clipfolio. You can try it free for three months. Everybody else has to pay. So you get it free for three months. Alan's a good friend. He's the CEO of the company. He came on the show. I said, I love your product. Can I feature it? So NathanLacka.com forward slash analytics. Go check it out now. Okay, Top Tribe, I have to tell you, many people go, Nathan, you came out of nowhere. Your website's growing so fast. How'd you do it? The answer is simple. So I use HostGator. I don't know if you guys know that, but I use HostGator. And the reason I do, they have like about 4,500 free templates I can use because I don't code. They've got a great e-commerce plugin. And guys, I bug the heck out of their support. They've got 24-7 support, which I love. So what I've done is I've worked with them. You guys know I make great deals. If you go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan, you can sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45 day money back guarantee. Okay, again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now. Hey, Nick Taros, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Oh my God, I have to say the the the... Jesus, you're really catching me on a bad day. I had a really bad quote. <laughs> the Lean Startup book. All right, number uh, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Uh, I'm not. Okay, number three, is there a favorite online tool you have, like HostGator? I know, I, I'm, I'm very plain. I love using things like Slack. Okay, number four, uh, yes or no, do you get eight hours of sleep every night? No, no way. Are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> you have good energy. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe you did. What time is it there now? Uh, it's 6.30 p.m. in London, but I usually operate in about five hours sleep a day. That's amazing. And how old are you? 50. Okay. And what's your situation? Married, single? Do you have kids? Um, I've got a partner. Okay, great. And and what's your social security number? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but see, in the UK, we don't even have that. Nobody oh, cares about that. That's good. In all seriousness, Nectaros, last question. You're really in the fintech space. You're, you're, you're watching and working with a lot of entrepreneurs. You yourself are an entrepreneur. You're 50. Take us back 30 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Oh, Jesus. Uh, wow. Now, now you're getting philosophical. Um, I wish at 20, I would have known that I didn't know everything. Yep. Uh, but I had this attitude that I'd figured it all out. Um, and being a little bit less scared and more courageous, um, I think those were probably the things. Just do it. I mean, I, I wasted a little bit of, I missed a couple of opportunities just because I was a bit too, too risk averse. It changed in my 30s. So yeah, my 20 year old is just go for it and take the consequences. It's going to be a ride. Nick, guys, there you have it from Nectaros. Take the consequences. It's going to be all right. He joined Startup Bootcamp back in 2014, really leading their fintech and insurtech space. Multiple locations. They staff it with about five people per location. Cost them about a million bucks to run it. The rest, they take 6% 
of the business just to be part of the program. And then separately, these are not tied together, they give the companies 15,000 euros just as pizza money as they go through the program. A big success that's gone through it is a company called Buzz Move in the insurance technology space. They just raised $8 million United States uh, dollars. Again, they're growing. They've helped over 60 companies. Nectaros, thank you for taking us to the top. It's been a pleasure talking to you. If you enjoyed Nectaros today, go back and listen to Nevin Shetty from yesterday with Blueprint Registry. They've raised $1.7 million and passed 2,500 postings and $10 million in transaction volume in 2016. It would mean the world to me if you guys got any value from this episode, if you would go leave a review on iTunes right now and then subscribe. You know, I hustle like heck to get these episodes out every freaking day for you guys. And trust me, I love it. I would do it with no listeners, but boy, oh boy, it makes my day and it makes my team's day when we see great reviews and get your feedback. So thanks so much. Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money. HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. 